and we're live. So today I am with a special guest and my brother. Uh, the special guest is Marco Ramirez, and my brother is Zach Stryler. So thank you guys for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank no problem. You. So Marco Ramirez is in an interesting position right now. He is currently deciding between Berkeley and Stanford. He's a high school senior. And I think today we can learn more about how he got into this position and maybe what's going on in his head, how he's going to make a decision. And Zach is also uh, entering college. He is beginning his freshman year at SDSU under a Army ROT or Air Force ROTC scholarship. Yeah. So I'm excited for today's podcast. So how about, uh, let's say, Zach, how about you introduce yourself? Tell us, maybe give a one-minute intro on, on yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, like you said, my name is Zach. And um, so I'm a sen- I'm the senior class president at Valley Center High School. Uh, I was kind of involved in high school. I was the president of Rotary Night Club. I was in varsity water polo two years, varsity swim two years, um, captain on both. Uh, my last two years of both. Um, I've had a lot of community service involvement in high school uh, with NHS and CSF. Um, I've always kind of been more kind of academically driven um, based off with my parents and stuff. They've kind of just kind of kept me up there with my grades. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't allow me to get anything anything less than an A or a B. Um, so yeah. Cool. That's about it. Marco, maybe a quick introduction. All right, so I'm Marco Ramirez. Um, a big part of my high school career was doing a lot of things that surrounded my major and what I wanted to do um, in the future. I'm hoping to become a judge later on in life, and so I did a lot of things with school board and like policy making, and then along with like ASB president and just different aspects like that. Um, I'm also originally from Las Vegas, and we moved to California um, just uh, about five or six years ago. So getting acclimated was a lot different in just the new experiences and then also a lot of new opportunities come with California. So that's been a really great and positive aspect of my college journey too. Cool. So you said you, you knew going into high school what your major was. How did you know? Where did that come from? It came from um, a lot from my grandpa. So my grandpa was always um, surrounded by law and in the police and he was the Orange County Chief Marshal. Um, back in the 80s, the late 80s. And so he would always, and I come from a cop family. And so at, when I was little and in elementary school, I thought I would always wanted to be a cop. And then I thought I wanted to be a commissioner. And then I realized I want to be behind the scenes of like policymaking and being active in law and doing something along the lines of that. So then I realized maybe, maybe I'll try for like a lawyer or an attorney or that aspect. And then through more research when I was little and just doing like, um, watching Judge Judy, for instance, or like... Amazing silly, show. Yeah, <laughs> silly things like that. Then I realized my end goal, I wanted to be a judge or something in politics. Um, I, I'll i never say I want to be a politician, but it's definitely a direction that I would go in. But my career, I definitely want to be in, in law and be a judge. That's cool. Um, what, what would you say, I guess, starting out freshman year of high school, like what were your motives? What types of things did you do to start working towards that career? Because like Zach, you have told me off mic that you kind of changed your major several times. Did right. you do anything freshman year of high school, let's say to start preparing for 
majoring in in political science? I immediately started with um, student government, so I joined ASB and I did freshman class president, and then followed through with um, sophomore class president, and then up through the years, just kept moving up the ranks. And then I also tried out every club possible, but with the mindset is when I was choosing classes, I also didn't want to limit myself yeah. to just my major with the mindset of that I might change it later on. So when I did classes, I still chose speech and debate and ASP, which were along the lines of my major, but I chose STEM classes too, which, you know, you don't necessarily need to be a judge, but it was still an important part looking back on my mindset going into college and realizing like even though you're directed towards this one major, you still have to have a great balance um, between everything. And my mom always kept telling me that throughout. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what would you say, like, you know, obviously you're very well accomplished, Berkeley and Stanford. Um, did you did a lot of the motivation for you come naturally in high school or would you say that, you know, your mom would have to kind of say like, like Zach says, you know, our parents would always be like, Hey, you know, you guys got to get A's or B's. Did a lot of your motivation come from kind of external sources or was it, I guess, cultivated from within? Honestly, it was always cultivated from within. I just knew there was definitely influence from my mom and my grandpa, but not my mom never once said, you need to do your homework, you need to do this. It was always like, I wanted to make them proud and I wanted to be accomplished in a sense where my grandpa would look at me and be so happy with everything that I've done. And then the same thing with my mom. So it was more, it was definitely like just the drive I had within. And then looking back, I always wanted to be able to take care of my mom um, when I had the opportunity to later on in life. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Zach? What, what you said you changed your mind on what you wanted to major in in college several times in high school. What, what kind of sparked those changes for you? So originally I wanted to do something in sports. I think freshman year I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I've always kind of been big on sports. Um, and I decided I wanted to do like a career in it. So like I said, freshman year I wanted to do sports broadcasting. Um, and then I think sophomore year, I wanted to be a sports agent because I kind of moved away from broadcasting. Um, and then again, I'd switched over in this junior. I wanted to be a, um, athletic trainer and kind of work with the athletes. And then I, I don't know, after some time, I kind of just discovered that's not a, exactly what I want my career to be in. Like, obviously I really enjoy sports, but I kind of figured I didn't need a career in it. I could always just enjoy sports on my own. Um, one thing that I always interest me that I never really told anyone was engineering more specifically automotive engineering um I just hadn't told anyone that and it, it was kind of just deep down like a low interest well it was high interest but I never really told anyone um and then I told my dad one night and he said yeah go for it so <laughs> that senior year I, <laughs> I was like well this is what I want to do I always want to do engineering um I could always just enjoy sports you know just have fun with it I don't think I need a career in it um, so I kind of decided I was going to choose engineering and then, uh, my parents actually thought that I would be better in like a sports related career. Um, and multiple, we had a lot of conversations about which, which major and which career I should go into. And, um, lots, most of the time it was them kind of trying to get me to do something in sports, whether it was sports management, athletic training, like I said, or something along those lines. 
but I don't know, just something never clicked with those career paths. I just wasn't into it. Um, but like I said, I was I was setting myself up for something in sports while in high school. Uh, like for what example, I took physiology junior year with the mindset that I was going to take kinesiology in high school mm-hmm. or not in high school in college, excuse me. Um, and I even did an athletic training uh, job shadow with the athletic trainer at, for UCLA's football team. Um, and it was actually a really cool experience, but I'm glad I got to do it because obviously it was really cool and I would consider doing it, but it just wasn't wasn't all there for me. So then senior year, I decided to change my mind. I'm going to pursue engineering, um, and that's what I did. And now I'm going to engineering or mechanical engineering at SDSU. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so one thing that really interests me is – kind of learning about other people's four-year journey in high school, like what strategies they use to get in. I know that when I was in high school, a lot of what I did to get into college was stuff that I kind of came up with on my own strategy that, you know, I never really discussed with friends because it was almost sort of your, those are your competitors in a way. And were there, you know, maybe walk me through the four-year journey. Like how do you get into Stanford? It's a less than 10% acceptance rate. Berkeley is very hard to get into as well. Was there any sort of strategy that you used? What was there, you know, who, what did you follow to, to get in? Let's start with like freshman year. What's going through your head? It For me, honestly, it started so much earlier than even high school. Like um, coming from like in second grade, I remember my grandpa was just like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to be like a police officer or whatever. I don't, I don't really know. And then he was like, well, just look at, colleges and then one of them that he gave me that look at was Stanford and I didn't know what of course I was in second grade I didn't know what Stanford was or anything but it was just the one that stood out to me and then as the years go on like in second grade he I made a powerpoint on it and then from that I never forgot that and then it just kind of followed me throughout high school but high school coming into freshman year is when I really realized like it's Stanford it's it's not going to be an easy feat to get into And so my mindset was always like, you're at the bottom of the totem pole. Like you don't have any like worth, but not in a bad sense. It was always like, you have to keep working and keep working up. And so I think with that mindset, I was, I never felt like, okay, I'm at the top of my class. Like I can relax. It was always like, as soon as I started to feel that it was like, no, like you're at the bottom because you're competing with students who are all at the top of their class. And just because you're at the top of class, you're still going to get rejected. Like what makes you unique? So I always tried to think to myself, well, what can I do to make me unique and stand out to an admissions counselor? And that was like from the very start of my freshman year. That's interesting. That, well, that brings up a lot of interesting points. One thing that I want to first ask about is why did you think that you were at the bottom of the totem pole? For me, it was a mind game. It was like, Because whenever I'm bad at something or I'm not so good or just starting it out, I always want to finish like near the top or on top and like just really work um, to master it. And so that was always like my way of like tricking my mind. It's like, no, like I need to keep going. And even in like classes, it was like I remember my freshman year, you know, I went into my English night honors teacher and her the cut off for an A and an A minus is a 94% and I had a 93.9 and I went in crying and I was like, like, this is going to ruin my dream of Stanford. 
and everything. And she, she never raised it and she never changed it. And then she was actually my favorite teacher throughout all of high school. And I remember going back and I never got an A minus until actually, I don't even think I got another A minus. I remember going back and I was just like, like, thank you. Like it, it reignited like a fire in me, like that. I just needed to keep pushing and persevering through everything. And I know it's so simple, but it's like the simple things like kept me going and like, I always had like this sense of like, I need to reach like near perfect or something, but not in a bad way. Yeah. To someone who also kind of feels like they're not on top mm-hmm. and, and I, I can speak on this topic for myself. Like when I was in high school, I kind of felt the same way. Like I always felt like I wasn't the smartest. I, I wasn't the best athlete and I wasn't this. So I had to compete on other levels. How did you overcome that or or you just said that, but how would you advise another student on how to overcome that? Like, let's say you're a, a senior in high school and, and you're talking to a freshman. What would you say to them? Just, okay, so going back, I would say as silly as it sounds is there's always something that makes you like different. And there's something, whether it's your passion, like your past history, um, what you want to do in the future, there's something that makes you unique. And if you don't think that there is, then you're not looking hard enough. And so whatever that is really channel it and put energy into it and like push uh, for that. Cause I think that was what really helped me is like, I didn't focus on a lot of things and I didn't dabble in this and this and this and this, I mean, technically I did, but they were all under the same umbrella term. And I think with, with all of those experiences, it really kind of pushed me and strengthened me to go in like one direction and like just always know with this clear mindset of what I was going to do. Yeah. What was your unique thing? Um, I thought it was that it was just me and my mom. Like it was from when I was little, like my dad and my mom got divorced when I was two. And so it was always her and I, and she was my absolute like best friend. We would talk for hours at night whenever I was like struggling with something as small as like a vocab test and I wanted to do well or something as big as like friendships and everything. And so that was, I was like, you know, for me, my relationship with my mom was so unique and I was like, well, I'm going to make her proud and I'm going to do something that's worthwhile. And then the rest of it came just like so easy to me after I always had that like back in my mind. I was like, you know, I'm not doing this for my mom because she's pushing me. I'm doing this because I want to do this, but I'm with the mindset that I'm still keeping her in mind. Yeah. What about you, Zach? Is there, have you ever felt kind of like you weren't necessarily the best? And if yes, how did you overcome that? Yeah. Well, I think we all kind of feel that at some point. Um, but for me going into high school, obviously I was behind you and um, old sister Lexi, uh, both. Zach is the the third child. I'm, I'm the third out of four. Yeah. Um, so yeah, going behind you guys, I kind of knew what you guys already went through and you know how you succeeded and stuff. Um, both of you going to really good schools. It, that was kind of my motivation that I need to go to a decent school. I need to you know, I need to kind of keep up with you guys or else I'm going to be the oddball out. Um, but also with that being said, I kind of also had some or a lot of internal motivation. Um, obviously, mom and dad kind of kept a little fire underneath me. <laughs> Wouldn't let me get anything, like any low grades. 
but at the same time they were also kind of focused on their own stuff with you know four children so that I didn't have a hundred percent attention from them so I knew there was always kind of something that I needed to do for myself um, and I had a lot of influence from you and Lexi and a lot of help from you guys um, and that's kind of what helped me keep going is I had a lot of guidance from you guys for anything that I didn't know how to do um, I would just look to you or you know on if I needed advice on something or how to get into good college or something um, I always had someone to turn to so I guess that's how Marco and I yeah. differ a little bit um, but yeah so you started in second grade you figured out what was uniquely you and then what next? I mean, how did you, let, let's say, what else, like, what, was there anything else sophomore year that you focus on at that point? Or basically what I'm trying to get at is, you know, if someone were in a similar situation and they wanted to kind of follow the same path, are there certain things that they need to be thinking out, thinking about at certain times? Mm-hmm. Um. Like one of the, I'll start with like a little bit of like things that I struggled with in a sense. Like, so with that, like, of course, like my mindset was still like, okay, like even when you start to feel good, like you're still at the bottom of the totem pole. Sometimes I would be like too much, too hard on myself and too, like, I was always doubtful and like, I don't know if I can do this or I don't know if like this is like, I can actually reach some goals. Like even some not, I'm not talking about like goals like Stanford or anything like just like simple, like getting an A on this test or like maintaining like my class rank in a sense. Um, and I, I would go back and tell like myself, like, don't doubt yourself because I spent so much time doubting myself to the point where I could have diverted energy into like that one thing that I was worried about. And so I think it's also like knowing how strong you are and knowing like if you are determined and to get this, that you definitely absolutely can and to put energy into that rather than focusing on like the what if. Yes, definitely. I think one thing I can add about going into freshman year, just going into high school, is even if you don't know exactly what you want to do, I think you can always set yourself up for greatness um, by just going in and hitting the ground running. I think a lot of people kind of take their freshman year as like a break-in period. I think I kind of kind of did that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think I didn't really get start getting involved until my sophomore year. I think the people – you know, if you get involved freshman year, it really just sets yourself up that extra little bit um, and can really help you out a lot in the long run. Yeah. And what did you do sophomore year to, to start getting involved? Well, sophomore year, I joined CSF um, and Interact Club, both are community service clubs. Um, I got more involved in the Interact Club as I kept going up. Like I said, I was president senior year. Um, but sophomore year, I also joined Varsity Swim. Um, I was thinking about joining varsity water polo, but I actually broke my pinky, <laughs> so right. I wasn't able. I wasn't able to try out. Um, but it was the varsity sports and getting involved in clubs, um, and just being more academically driven. Um, freshman year, I was just kind of like, "That's ah, freshman year. Colleges don't even look at it," you know. Um, which now having it applied, they definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, I think just it was the sports and clubs and more academics than freshman year and just getting more, uh, getting more motivation, I guess. Okay. And then, so Marco, I know you're also manager at Del Taco. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not easy to get. You're the, Mm -hmm. the head guy. How do you, 
balance number one like such a, a a big role outside of school with all your schoolwork how did you get to that position um yeah where, where mm-hmm. would you start there well it's actually a little bit i remember my first day at del taco i came home to my mom and i was like oh i'm not going back there i'm quitting i'm done like and it was such a what you think is like a simple job like and at what know, time point was this this was my junior year sorry okay. my junior year and i was like you know this is so she's i was i thought this was going to be so easy like i can do ap classes i can do um class president but at del taco almost had me in tears and ready to like quit and leave and then she was like that's exactly why you need to stick with it and i was like well, i still didn't understand and then two weeks into it is when i started finally getting the hang of it and juggling everything and then i realized like why it's so important that I had a job and why she always pushed like you need to make sure like you need to have a job when you're 16 or like around that time like get started with working because it's so easy like in clubs and everything when you're leading I feel like you're going at like your own pace like you're still it's still a very different aspect when you join the workforce in my opinion and when I joined the workforce like not everybody's like nice you're not at school like even though there's little undertones like undermines it's like when you're at work people don't care really like you're you're there to work and everything so I couldn't like in a sense like charm my way through by like just like oh like sorry that was a little bit of a mistake it was like no you need to fix it you need to get through this and everything so I think like Del Taco actually really is one of the reasons that I got in to Stanford because it helped me balance and made me realize that sometimes things need to happen like boom 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 and in a sense, like you need to grab grasp things really quickly. It's not like school where you've been learning everything like all along. And it's like there's a lot of support in high yeah. school. You know, a lot and of everything. people are, are there to, to help you. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I have a funny story. So in high school, I actually got a job at Yogurtland and I worked for three days and I said, screw this. <laughs> and I quit and I was like, no. But I know Zach has had jobs. Zach actually worked at a an oil plant right right so you kind of had and i I know you it wasn't necessarily the most enjoyable job like you had to wake up very early and it was a lot of manual labor would you say that you've had kind of similar experiences as marco in terms of realizing the importance of of having a job during high school yeah well i think well marco had his jobs during school i had mine over the summer so i never had a job while also doing taking classes but I had the same experience with I've actually had two jobs both of my jobs had the same experience as Marco where I went home on the first day and thought this sucks <laughs> I do not want to go back um, after my first job which was um, a production line worker at Lucas Oil my feet hurt so bad I want to just go home and I just put my feet up and not walk for the rest of the day uh, but you know I had to go back and I got used to it I learned how the whole production plant works. Um, it was a little bit scary at first because, you know, there was 30 people in the warehouse and I didn't know any of them, <laughs> all of them older than me. I was the youngest guy there. Um, it was really scary, to be honest. <laughs> but after a while, I became friends with all of them. I learned how the whole thing worked. Um, and I ended up kind of making it fun for myself the entire summer. But I was also had something to work forward to. I was just kind of I wanted to go on a, a school trip, and I needed to make the money for it, so I kind of had some motivation for that. And then my second job working at Spaghetti Factory as a dishwasher, 
uh, I didn't have it. I didn't make as much money. So I was like, why am I doing this job? I could have got the same job, but I kind of looked at it as a new experience. Kind of, I want to do a whole bunch of different things in life to kind of get new experiences. So that was my one dishwashing experience. And now having taken it, I don't want to be dishwasher anymore. <laughs> and uh, that, kind of, that kind of helped me succeed a little bit because I was like, I had I needed something else to work forward to other than being a dishwasher for the rest of my life because that, that was not fun. Oh, yeah. Just like going off a little bit about like what you said and, and like balancing. For those of you who like do balance like work and school, it was definitely like time has got to give somewhere and like there has to be some sort of sacrifice. So it was like before, even with AP classes and everything, I'd never done homework or anything past 10 o'clock. Even if it meant like coming home right at like three o'clock and doing homework from three to 10, I never did it past 10 o'clock. And so then, but like with work and everything, it kind of had to give somewhere where there were later nights. And then on the weekends, it wasn't necessarily like I could go out with my friends. I had to necessarily like either catch up on homework or do work was one or the other so why did you set that restriction 10 p.m it was just always like my mind doesn't work past 10 o'clock it like didn't before and i always thought like staying up late meant procrastination and so i was just never somebody who procrastinated like anything um but i soon realized just as you get older it's something that comes with more ap classes or work or balancing other things but from then it worked for me it never really i never needed it yeah and then you said once you got the job that changed a little bit Mm -hmm. yeah it just like i don't know just i because sometimes i would work from 4 p.m to 10 p.m after school so then i didn't have any time to do my homework so as soon as i got home from work i had to do it or even between that hour of getting out of school and going to work i had to do it or on my 30 minute break i was doing homework Wow. It was just always like, because I knew that I wouldn't let work affect my academics. So. How did you have a life outside of academics and work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was always a part when I was little. My mom always like from the very start of when I could remember, she was always, you need balance, like balance, balance, balance. And so when, whenever, when I started school and doing AP and honors classes, I always made sure that I had time to cultivate relationships and everything because I think that that's so important and it's so easy to say like academics are first priority, but in some aspects, I think having like social skills and stuff and being able to talk to people and make friends easily is a huge aspect. And that even I think helped me when in school, because when I was writing, Um, like in English class, like it really helped me develop my personality and like my voice and everything. And then from there, like doing interviews and everything, I always thought, well, it's also every, what if I go into an interview and the, the person next to me has already come from the same college, they have the same grades, the same GPA, but my personality can set me apart and my ability to connect with them. So I always made sure that like making friendships was a huge priority, even with work and school and everything else. Oh, 100%. Zach, you're also huge on life outside of school. How do you manage your social life with academics? Well, see, mine was a little bit different from Marco's. like you said, you would get out of school and go to work. For me, is I would get out of school and then I'd go to sports practice. Um, 
so for me, sports practice was kind of like my social life in a sense, whereas all my friends were on the team. So I'd go and it'd just be an extended two hours to hang out with my friends while obviously, you know, working out and stuff. Um, so that's kind of how I got my social life in. So I didn't necessarily need to carve out extra time for social life other than on the weekends. Um, but then again, on the weekends, I wasn't working like Marco was unless I had a tournament. But then again, those are only seasonal. So with that being with it being seasonal, I kind of knew that this was only temporary. And at some point, I'd like get my social life back. Um, but the way I balance my academics is practice was from 3.30 to 5.30. So I'd go home, shower, and eat dinner and all that. I'd be ready by 7. And from 7 for the rest of the night, you know, I had just time to myself. And I always had enough time to get my homework done. So... With sports and academics, it was never a problem um, for the most part. I mean, there were a few occasions here and there where I had a, like a, just a lot of AP homework or like I had a big presentation or an essay due, which if I did, I would just tell my coach, and he always understood. But for the most part, balancing academics and social life and sports was always pretty doable. Yeah. And then fast forward a little bit. So now we're at, let's say, junior year, and – Boys State is the summer between junior and senior year. Is that correct? Yeah. What was the process like of going to Boys State? I, I remember from Valley Center High School, the way it worked is all the teachers had to send in their nominations. So if you wanted to go to Boys State, you had to notify the teachers before they selected the candidates. And then hopefully you're, if you're on good terms with your teachers, they'll nominate you. How, what was the process like at, at your school? How did you get in? At my school, um, it was the counselors, so all four of the counselors who had every single, um, well, sorry, three of the counselors because they taught, they had juniors, and the juniors were the ones who were eligible, and they would go through like lists of juniors and see which ones um, would be a best fit, and so then after they chose five of us, the only one of us got the spot, and then it was um, the boys' uh, state representatives who came and interviewed us, and then then after that that's when we found out and see my experience with that is a lot different i actually i asked one of my teachers if they would nominate me for boy state and she said i have no idea what you're talking about so i was like well that's not good so i went and i talked to my counselor and she's like yeah i'll put you on the list so i actually i don't even think i got nominated by any teachers i was just my counselor just put me on the list but then when the interview day came it was only two of us me and one other person and i See, I always heard about you having multiple people, and now afterwards, I'm hearing Marco had five people. He was. Yeah, I think I had probably four to five people that. Yeah, so I think I kind of, <laughs> I kind of got lucky with mine. Both of the people from my school got chosen, so I I kind of got lucky with that. But yeah, the selection was selection process was pretty much the same. She came, did the interview, acted like there were tens of thousands of people she was interviewing, <laughs> and then I got chosen, but. And that's where you guys met. Right. Mm -hmm. That is where we yes. met. Yes. So mm -hmm. talk about Boy State. Are you glad you went? Do you recommend it to, to other students? Do you think it helped you get into college? Oh, 100%. I would, I would go back in a heartbeat if they offered it again for seniors, but they don't. Maybe let's get some – if people don't know what Boy State is, what, what is Boy State? How would you describe it? So <laughs> Boy State is a, uh, it's a summer program for – junior boys so you go after your junior year 
Um, it's hosted by the American Legion, sponsored by the American Legion. Um, and it's, in a sense, it's where junior boys are kind of, they learn about their roles in society and how to work, how the government works and how to kind of run a government themselves. Essentially. Yes. Very, very summed up. And basically, the whole idea is, well, usually it's like one kid from every high school yeah. in California is selected to go to Boy State and kind of represent their high school. They get to Boy State, right. and they all kind of run for roles. There's You can run for lieutenant governor. That's the highest, mm-hmm. right? I think so. Yeah. Lieutenant governor, mm-hmm. and then all the way down, you could be a cop. I think I was a cop. <laughs> and basically, you form your own rules. You operate as a city there are other cities and if you're in another city you have to operate by their rules and essentially a city is just a college dorm room so there's like multiple college dorms and it's really fun you meet a lot of very smart people yeah definitely (laughs) and i'm still in touch with my friends from boy state and so it's cool that you guys are still in touch over a year later yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it works i think marco and i kind of formed the best relationship out of boy state Obviously, we still have some friends there, but I don't know, Mark and I really hit it off. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was kind of funny actually thinking back about it because I remember um, Zach was like, oh, we're, we'll hang out like when we were like leaving. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to see that kid again. Like, <laughs> I can't wait. I'm like ready. I was, it was like the best experience and everything, but I never thought that I would still like continue to be friends and everything. And what's ironic is Marco hit me up first after <laughs> Boy State. <laughs> no, not true. <laughs> Well, it's cool. You guys live like what thirty minutes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that worked out. Um, what? I I mean, Boy State is a crazy time. Boy State, I think, was really fun. I think it was more. I think it was almost more play than work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. I thought I remember going into it. I was like, okay, this is gonna help me for my major. Like, this is absolutely gonna push me in direction. And it still was like an amazing experience in the sense, but it was also more of like networking and creating those like friendships and like relationships and connections. Yeah. I think it was the first time I ever had access to a full buffet. See, I was only allowed, <laughs> we were only allowed mm-hmm. one serving. Okay. I, I think mm-hmm. I gained weight at Boy State. And then no, there no. was that, <laughs> there was the, the store on campus and I would go every night and buy ice cream and, and snacks oh, and stuff. Yeah. We remember the store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, we, we would go down to restaurants for lunch. They had restaurants on campus. There was a... I think was oh, like, we didn't have that. Well, I think well, we actually snuck. I don't think we were supposed to. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was like a there was a place called Baja Girl, I think. It was just like Chipotle, just different name. Mm-hmm. I, all the places closed at four. So you wouldn't be able to go for dinner, but you could go for lunch. So I think one day I went to Starbucks. One day I went to Baja Grill. I know a lot of people went to Panda Express. Some people went to Chamba Juice. I'm not even sure why they were even opened over the summer, but they were. So that was kind of like the, our escape from the cafeteria food. Mm-hmm. There were some nights where they, their food was almost edible. <laughs> almost edible. And sometimes it was questionable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, would you say that Boy State played a large part of your acceptances into colleges? For me, no. Because I'm going to a Cal State, and Cal States only look at test scores. They don't really look at any extracurriculars. However, I did apply, I did get an Air Force ROTC scholarship, which I'm sure everything I did in college 
or in high school, excuse me, um, got the scholarship for me um, because they look at all your leadership activities, all the extracurriculars you did, all your test scores. So for me, I'm kind of thinking everything I did in high school got me the scholarship to set me up for life after college. Yeah. Um, I would say it definitely, definitely helped me. And even more so, not just like putting it on my resume, but I think it was more of like a mindset thing too. Is like, I was just, it got me so excited for college and like motivated yeah. because I was like, well, I'm going to meet all of these new amazing people. And I made so many friends out of Boyd State. And like, I was just, I was ready to apply to college and like excited. It's pretty similar to college. Your, your first mm-hmm. day at college is very similar to the first day at Boyd State. Because Boyd State is at, uh, at Cal State Sacramento. Yes. And you were living in the dorms with a roommate and you get to eat at the college dining hall. It, you, you were literally in college for a week, which is super cool. It's definitely a good sneak peek. Um, what, what I, I kind of want to ask more about your current decision that, that you're about to make. You told me beforehand you're leaning 90% Berkeley, 10% Stanford. What, what, what are you weighing? You know, are you thinking what school do you think could help you, um, in your career better? What, what, where do you see yourself as a better fit? Well, at first, before I knew I got into Stanford, it was Berkeley and UCLA. And then when I was doing, I'm like a person that's constant, like research, research, research to see what is like the best fit. And UCLA was um, number 12 in the nation for political science. And then when I looked at Berkeley was number four. That's right. And then, (laughs) and then Stanford is um, number two. So from there, it was kind of, it was hard to say no to UCLA because I really did like the school itself and I loved like the environment and the atmosphere, but that one kind of got cut. And then when I found out I got into Stanford, it was a much harder decision and it wasn't more so about like number two and number four. It was more of like, well, number two is 30 something thousand dollars more than number four. And I don't know if that, it just wasn't worth it in my mindset because I was like, well, as much as Stanford's been my dream school, I'm still getting the opportunity to go to Berkeley. And like my mindset now is like, okay, I'm going to Berkeley. Like I'm going to Stanford for law school. And like, I, that's my yeah, next goal. I like that. Well, what, what's really interesting is actually a lot of kids at Berkeley pay the same price as Stanford, mm-hmm. all the out of state kids, all the international kids. So it, it's really cool that us California residents get that discount. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I, for the price of Stanford, I don't think, you know, let's say Stanford is roughly twice the price of Berkeley. I don't necessarily think it's twice as good of an education. Mm-hmm. So I think you're actually getting a better deal at Berkeley for your money. And to be honest, I, I mean, Berkeley taught me so many things about myself, about academics, about relationships that I, I don't know if I would have gotten the same education elsewhere. Like, I think my, my experience at Berkeley was very unique. It's a very big school, you you know, kind of like what you said at Del Taco, like there's no one holding your hand. You know, you go to Berkeley, there's no one holding your hand and you're kind of thrown into this, this world of smart people and you kind of have to, to survive. (laughs) And it, at first it's a little bit overwhelming. Like when I came in freshman year, I was overwhelmed and I was, blown away by the size of the school by the academics it was just all a shock but then you kind of get into a routine and you kind of find 
what you like to do, what you don't like to do. You, you get your friend group. And I would say it took me about two years to, to really like Berkeley. But once I liked it, I loved it. And I mean, I wouldn't, I would not go back and change it. Um, but I think you have a lot to look forward to at, mm -hmm. at Berkeley. Have you visited the campus? No, actually. I've never been to Berkeley or like San Francisco area. And then, of course, you know, it was always like we were going to go before when I was applying to all of these colleges. But then it was like, OK, well, what if I don't even get in? Like, there's no point in going. So then I thought, well, after I get in and I'm like narrowed down, then I'll go visit um, Berkeley or like UCLA and stuff. Um, but then, of course, COVID-19 happened. Yes. And Put a damper on all my plans. <laughs> um, what about you, Zach? How did you make your college decision? Well, for me, it was really between Illinois Institute of Technology um, and SDSU. For me, I kind of I've always wanted to go live in Chicago. That's where Illinois Tech is. Um, and I was really leaning towards it, but same with Marcos, the price that I just couldn't, I just couldn't pay for it. Um, so I, I wrote an appeal and I actually got an appeal, but it was only like $3,000. <laughs> I was like, wow, gee, thanks. So for me, <laughs> my decision was a lot easier, but deciding if I, if the cost wasn't a factor, my main reason I would have gone to Illinois Tech would have been to experience a whole new thing experience yeah. a whole new place and go live in chicago you know living in southern california and then going to chicago is a big difference um but then i kind of decided i wanted to stay home stay closer to home and go to sdsu which happens to also be a lot bigger school i heard there'd be a lot more fun <laughs> um so for me also having the rotc scholarship i already knew what i was going to do after college so i guess obviously i have stuff to work for in college like what I need to do but I think for some people or for most people I guess I should say is um college a big thing with college that sets them up for what they're going to do afterwards for me I already have what I'm set up going to do afterwards so for me it was kind of you know what would be more fun what would I enjoy more um, what I heard is if I went to Illinois is there's like <clears throat> every college student has a period where they just <laughs> have a breakdown like why am I here I can't do this. The classes are too hard. Like, I miss home. Um, so that was kind of one thing is if I'm in Chicago, I'm going to be by myself like with no one. But at least if I'm at SDSU and I'm close to home, um, I'll have that option if I want to come home during the weekend or something. Just kind of clear my mind and stuff and get more – get re-motivated. Re yeah. Well, I forgot to even, like, add um, – like when I was first starting my college admissions, you know, process and like applying, I didn't even, I wasn't even going to apply to Berkeley. And it was like my counselor in a sense, like forced me. He was like, no, like just, just do it and just see what could happen. Um, because the only UCs I was planning on was UCLA and um, Santa Barbara. I thought Berkeley was a really big reach school. And the only reason I applied to Stanford was I was like, oh, it's been a dream since second grade. Like I, I have to do it. It's something that I have to do. And then my counselor was just like, just trust me and just like apply to Berkeley. And it was, it's crazy thinking back on it. 
and like imagining like if I didn't, if I wouldn't have applied like in the position I'd be in right now, but what would you like, like knowing what you know now, would you give yourself, what would you tell yourself as a freshman in high school, you know, starting the career to get into colleges? What would you tell yourself now? Um, well, for me, like I said earlier in the podcast, I kind of bounced around for what career I want to do. So having known what career path I want to take, I would have um, taken more classes that would have related to that. Like I never took physics in high school, but I'm going into college <laughs> for engineering, having never taken physics. So that's one thing I would do is I would just readjust some classes I would have taken. Also, um, I would have told I would have told myself kind of how important these standardized tests are, the SAT and the ACT. Um, I got I got a 26 on the ACT, and that's what I applied to school with. Um, super squared at 28, and that's what some Cal States look at. Um, but what I did when I studied is I it was right around swim season, I'm pretty sure, because I told my swim coach I can only go to practice three days a week because two days a week I was using the time I was going to go to swim practice and I was going to go to the library and study, which is what I did. But that was, what, four hours a week that I was taking aside from swim practice and then some stuff on the weekends. Um, and I took my first test. I didn't do super well. <laughs> so I would just – and then I tried some different methods of studying, um, and I got my – the next time I took it, I got my reading score up 10 points. Then the next time I took it, I got my science score up 10 points. So I would have just taught myself the different methods to um, studying and taking the test for the most part. How did you, Marco, prepare for the SAT? Was it a multiple year thing? Did you start kind of right before mm -hmm. the exam? I took my first SAT at the end of my junior year, and I studied – all between the summer of sophomore year and junior year um but not gonna lie i was a very very bad like sat like test taker in a sense and i knew that going in to it and i knew like it was just it was gonna be something that i wasn't really gonna grasp and i wasn't really gonna get the hang of it um and so i was like always with that in the mindset of like well i have to make sure that i'm doing other things to compensate for that especially if i'm applying to the like to these type of schools. Yeah. One thing I would like to add is the SAT and the ACT are very different. <laughs> very different, yeah. Very different. So I I encourage anyone that's taking the test to take both and see which one you like more. Um, in my case, I took both. I like the ACT more, so I ended up taking the ACT four times. And every single time I took it, I improved my score. So I would just say take it as many times as you can and figure out which test um, better suits you. And see, I think that's one thing that I would have also done is I only took the SAT. I never once even took the ACT or like was thought about taking it. Um, I always heard that the ACT was very science and like math focused in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I knew my strengths were definitely, I had a big strength in math, but not science whatsoever. And so I figured English and math would be a better fit. Yeah, because the SAT has the reading, the English math without a calculator and math with the calculator sections. Yeah. The ACT has the has the math, <laughs> reading, <laughs> English, but also has a science section. I also always felt more like kind of under a time crunch with the ACT. The SAT, I always felt like I had enough time and it was just whether or not I knew how to do the problem. The ACT, I often knew how to do the problems, but always ran out of time. See, that was my problem at first, but once I kind of figured out how to take the tests and stuff, 
the time crunch wasn't really much of an issue. It was kind of more exciting in a sense because I was like, okay, good. I'm going to get done with this test in, what was it, 35, 40 minutes or something like that is the section. I was like, I only have this much time left. It's not too long. I can do it. it oh, with the time crunch, is almost kind of more motivating because I was like, I just need to do this for this amount of time. It's not that long, and then I'll be good to go. But with the SAT, it was like, I got to get dug in. I'm going to be here for a while. And so that was kind of a little bit scarier for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of experienced a similar thing. Yeah. But then also with the ACT, the questions are a lot easier. They're kind of just common sense. They're, there's like a, they're kind of tricky a little bit, but for the most part, you should be able to look at the question and say, all right, I know what the answer is. Yeah. I think most of it is just timing. You have to have to practice your timing because you'll know the answers to questions. Yeah. What do you wish you would have done differently to study for the SAT? Well, I learned how to study for the ACT by the time it was too late. So I would have told myself the strategies I would have learned by the end of my a ACT taking. I would have told myself what kind of worked for me. Um, for me, what worked is I studied each section for an entire week. And then at the end of the week, I took a final test. I just did like a run through of that section. So it wasn't a whole test. It was like a 35-minute, 40-minute 40 test. 40 minute test. Um, and that actually helped me very well, especially with the super score. Because um, I did that with the reading section. And I got my reading score up 10 points, which on the ACT, it's out of 30. Six out of 36. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, same with the science. I got it up, I think it was eight points. Um, so that really helped me with my super score. Um, but then I I would say I kind of need to give myself more time to study because I kind of studied last minute. Um, and I got the sections that I studied very well. I did very well in those sections. But the study or the sections that I didn't study as well, you know, I got like an average score. So I just would had to give myself more time. Yeah. What about you? Is there similar strategies that you used or did you have a kind of a different approach? Um, well, at f my first approach was like I'm going on to Khan Academy and I'm taking every single test that there is on there and I'm just going to keep doing that and that and that. And I realized, well, I'm not really getting any better. I mean, I'm getting better at like the timing, but I'm not getting better at any of the concepts. That actually happened to me too. <laughs> yeah. I figured it makes sense. It made sense in my mind. I don't know why. I was like, oh, if I take enough tests, I'll just get good at it. But it's not how it works. And then that was in between, you know, my sophomore and junior year. And then going into junior year, I had a really great AP Lang teacher. And he, like, everything he taught was not only to the AP test, but to the SAT. And so coming out of um, halfway through his course is when I took the PSAT junior year. And from sophomore year to junior year, um, I improved like 120 points in the English section. And I wow. know it was because like the way he just taught, it made so much sense on how to take the test. And so I knew that was like a huge reason on why I did as, why I did good. Or Yeah. And same thing kind of when you mentioned AP Lang, it kind of made me think of all the essays that I had to write in AP Lang mm -hmm. and all the three different types of essays on the AP test. Um, and I'm pretty sure... Which type of essay was the ACT? I think that's it's argument. Argumentative. Right? right. And I think a synthesis essay it was for, for the ACT. For the SAT, yeah. Synthes SAT. Synthesis is SAT. Argumentative is. ACT. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so the test, or the, not the test, the, uh, the essays you learn how to write in AP Lang really help you for the SAT and the ACT. 
So that's one thing I would say to <laughs> any students out there is to really master those essays because you will need them um, aside from the AP test. Mm -hmm. And just another like word of advice is like take every single every single test you take, take with an essay. Because I had a friend who they were like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this. Like they were so tired of taking the essay and everything and they weren't getting the score that they wanted. And then on their ACT that they took it without an essay, they got a 34. And it didn't count for Cal's or for um, UCs or any other Jeez. type of because it wasn't with an essay. What a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. The essay isn't that much longer. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have that much more time. So definitely recommend taking the essay. What would, well, I, yeah, I would say what would the top three things be? Like, if you could list in importance the top three things for getting into a good school, what would they be? Um, I think the number one is probably test scores for most schools. Uh, number two is probably school involvement. Number three is grades. Uh, what so, are the top three things that you did? Well, top three things I did were most – I think the number one I did was um, extracurriculars. I think that was definitely my number one. Um Number two, I think, was grades. And number three for me was actually test scores. So I kind of did it in a reverse order. Um, you have anything to add to that? To, for, like, logistics, honestly, like, just like um, that, I think for me, like, definitely the only reason I got into Stanford was my essays. Like, I worked on my essays for a year. Wow. Up until. A year? Like, I Well, there was one. My AP, That was another thing my AP Lang teacher did is I had him fall term because my school's a little bit different. So I had him fall term of my junior year, and he had us write our, our Common App essay in his class. And I was – and he always asked us then our senior year when we're applying who kept their essay. And every single person said no. And I was I, – I kept my essay the exact same from when I started in his class. And I never changed a single thing, and I submitted it to um, like Stanford for my Common App. But I also never let a single person read my essay. Like nobody, I didn't even let my AP Lang teacher do it. I let, I showed him so that it would be, you know, I I would get the credit for it and everything. But I asked him if he wouldn't read it, and the same with I didn't let my mom read it. I didn't let a single person read it until after it was submitted, because I didn't want anybody. In all honesty, I didn't want to take people's critiques critiques i just wanted it to be like genuine and how what i was feeling like i wanted my personality to come through that and like if it worked it worked and if it didn't it didn't but it was a risk i was willing to take wow that's that's uh that's pretty cool but so, now i'm sure your mom's read it yeah yeah my mom's read it and everything and i've let everybody read it that that's like helped me and everything but so i think definitely like essays were number one for me um, then extracurriculars and what I've done and then my grades, I wouldn't even have my test scores as like a factor for me. But then like just like um, leading up to college, I think it was definitely like having a balance between school and your social life and then um, developing a, a type of passion. And then the last one would be like taking risks and just like experimenting and dabbling in different things. And that's one thing that I wish I would have done more of. But yeah, I think that also each school is a little bit different. Um, I think you should look into like what your school accepts because I did a lot of stuff extracurriculars wise 
to get into Cal Poly Slow. And then when I applied, I realized they didn't actually accept extracurriculars. And they only accepted your GPA and your test score. I was like, well, shoot. So I applied and I actually got rejected. But, yeah, I think it's definitely important to look at what your school requires. Same with SAT subject tests. I know a lot of schools require those too, which I didn't even know were a thing until my junior year when I was had to take the test. So it was kind of last minute that I learned about those. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Well, is there anything else you guys want to add? Is there something I missed that you think should be said? I can't think no. of anything. No? I think cool. We covered a lot. Yeah, I, I think we did too. Um, well, thank you both for being on the podcast. And, you know, I'd love to have you guys back one day, maybe once you're already a student at Berkeley, we can follow yeah, up exactly. on this conversation <laughs> and chat more about it. But yeah, I everyone listening, I, I hope you enjoyed the podcast and there will be more to come. Yes.